Hello again and welcome to another episode of Colavari Creativity Series. This is a podcast that focuses on exploring the world of creativity and innovation. This is the second episode in the second season and if you're new here, welcome again. Please do catch up on the previous episode and even the first season and um, you can listen to that on all your you know podcast platforms and if you're a returning listener thank you very much for coming back we do appreciate the support and um yes for following through on all the episodes my name is zika and i moderate this podcast um today's episode we will be looking at um a topic that is very interesting it says don't fall in love with your own ideas and this topic is going to be in two parts so we had an interview with tunji andrews and um, we'll go into you know details about that in a bit hello aziz how are you doing i'm fine hi how are you doing zika i'm doing great i'm doing very well i think the today's this episode's uh, title is very interesting yes um it's very convenient for innovators to fall in love with their own ideas. Mm-hmm. You know why? They've spent months, for some mm. people, maybe years. Yeah. Uh, they spent resources thinking about that idea. So it's easy to fall in love with what you have spent time on. But, but there's a danger um, associated with doing that. And that is that you put yourself in a position where you no longer receive feedback that might be helpful for you to take that raw idea into a place where that idea can actually offer Useful. value. Mm. Mm. That's very interesting. Um, so like I said earlier, we had an interview with Tunji Andrews and Tunji Andrews is the CEO and founder of Awaba. And um, we actually learned a lot of things from the interview and um, that's what we'll be sharing today. And I'm sure you would also learn so much from that interview. So this interview with Tunji actually allows us to see why it's important to stay focused on the problem, just like Aziz mentioned, the problem that we're trying to address rather than just falling in love with the ideas that we have. Like he said, we spend so much resources, money, and there's every tendency to fall in love with this. But, you know, sometimes you might actually not eventually be creating useful ideas exactly. if you're so engrossed or overwhelmed yeah. by your own ideas so i'll give a bit of background about tunji and will allow him introduce himself so like i said earlier he's the co-founder of our bar he's an economist a financial inclusion advocate and also a creative entrepreneur he has spent so many years in research financial literacy and advancing financial inclusion to the informal sector He's also worked as a consultant across local and international organizations as an expert in areas of statistics, research, and financial inclusion. His current and future activities are towards actively advancing financial inclusion in Nigeria and in Africa. And this is why he, you know, pitched his tent with Awaba. Awaba... We want to know a bit about our bar. So our bar's mission is to help people outside of the regular nine to five work model plan towards a financially stable and secure future. So they believe access to financial services should be available to every Nigerian. And this is why they work to make access to micro pension services to any Nigerian. This is a very, very, this is a, this is a, this is great. Yeah. This is really great. So let's hear Tunji introduce himself. He is uh, an economist, is uh, somebody who has a knack for 
communications. I, I don't think I pretty much learned that. I just realized I have a bit of a uh, gifting for it. Um, he is very passionate about financial inclusion. Um, he's very passionate about uh, seeing more and more people get involved in the financial services space. Hmm. He's married with two kids. So from the introduction, we heard him say that he's very passionate about financial inclusion for every Nigerian. So we want to hear him, you know, share why he's passionate about this. Uh, living school, um, a lot of people were clear about what they wanted to do with the rest of their lives. Um, most people just wanted to go out, get a job and, and do that. I was a little confused leaving school because I, I was um, I, I wanted my life to mean something. If you if you get what I mean, I wanted it to amount to something. I didn't just want to be that guy that got a job. I mean that's great, you know. I, I didn't just want to be one of you know the many other people doing many other things. So I wanted. I was looking desperately looking for something. So between. 2015 when we left school till about 2010 2010-2011 I was desperately looking for what to you know while I was working here and there but I was looking for that thing you know when some people will say you were looking for their calling I was just looking for that thing I would that would excite me I was looking for that thing that would you know give me that love at first sight kind of feeling and I think I found a little of it with economics you know I, I did a, a, a first course in economics after school it was just a mistake really um, and I found out that I really enjoyed the conversation so it was not much of a course for me it was more like I went there to have a conversation with my lecturers you know so because I was so excited about the concepts of economics and I, I got it. I absolutely got it. Then I come into, I come back into the country, and I'm, you know, excited because I'm seeing economics happen everywhere around me. You know, I was just like, oh, that is how that happens. And you know, I was just, and then it coincided with the time Cassius Lagos was being, you know, instituted by Lagos State, uh, sorry, the um, Central Bank of Nigeria, and they were going to make it the pilot stage in Lagos. And then I was like, what, what is this cash is Lagos or anything? And I found out that it was inclusion. And, you know, because I just found economics, it was just, it just blew up in my mind. I started to understand, oh, if more people were able to get into this financial services sector, it could make uh, the fact that there's a larger pool of money it means that more people can get access to it. It means that more people will be able to escape poverty because there is a larger pool. It was just exciting for me. And I fell in love completely with financial inclusion. I fell in love completely with that um, whole idea of one person saves money. That money the person saves is able to help the other person get a loan. The person then returns the loan and then the interest from the loan is able to pay the first person and the bank is able to make more. I just fell in love with that entire concept. And since then, 
I have been actively involved in things pushing financial inclusion across uh, Nigeria. And it's only it's only made sense that I now do what I now do because I mean it's just been a ten year journey of pushing financial inclusion. I, I don't think I've seen anybody push it the way I think it should be pushed. So I spent the greater part of the last four years trying to convince people to do it the way I think it should be done. And you know they always say that if you see a problem that nobody else sees maybe the thing is you should be the one to fix it so um, right around the pandemic you know during the lockdown during the pandemic um, i decided to start our bar you know and and it's been it's been the same thing ever since so this this journey of our bars it's pretty much started um 10 years ago it's just that it's finally got into the point where it now it, it, it makes sense pretty much so I, I would like to focus on two things from uh, the excerpt we just listened from Tunji. One, um, if you notice, he said he fell in love with financial inclusion. Not an idea of his, but the problems he believed could be solved by financial inclusion. I find that very interesting. And secondly, um, the road less taken will lead you to greater things than the road often taken. And this is what I'm trying to say. The smoothest life paths often fail to teach us anything new and never propels us to, to, be, to be creative. So one of the reasons why I think creativity and innovation might seem elusive is that these smooth paths that we have been told are the best things for us, that have been idolized as the ways to, to success, will never take us to any place where we are forced to be creative. I mean, they might seem good, they might seem nice, but it does not teach us anything new. And, it, it, I mean, there's a New York Times article that I would recommend if you're interested in this whole um, this whole concept that I'm trying to emphasize. It's by a guy called Charles Duhigg. And the title of the article is America's Professional Elite. Wealthy, successful and miserable very interesting article uh, i bet you if tunji had taken the smooth path in life we would never have our bath today that's what i was about to say you know he talked about you know after leaving school everyone already knew you want to get a job you want to do this if he decided to do that yeah. we would not have our bath today never. so thank you tunji for <laughs> deciding not to take the smooth path yeah Okay, so let's move ahead. Um, we always ask all our guests what um, their view on creativity is. And Tunji has some interesting points of view. Let's hear that. It's uh, an expression of what already exists. Um, it's just, it's like you opening the door to let it out. So, if you, so people say diamonds shine. Yeah. A physicist knows that that's not true. A diamond only reflects light. So, if you were to put light, if you were to put a diamond in dark, in a dark space, it will be completely dark. If you brought it out into the light, however, because the light it absorbs and then reflects, you tend to see it and assume that it's glowing. It's only taking the light that it has absorbed and it is, you know pushing it back out. 
I, I, I feel that, and this is why you always see people who are termed creative, uh, their work or their expression, whether it is in word, whether it is in uh, pictorial, whether it is in music, always has an origin from where they come from. Interesting. You can't help but notice how Tunji's background in physics kind of like shapes a lot of how he sees things. Yeah. Um, so I think Zika, the next excerpt from him throws more light on this. Yeah, so let's hear that. So so one of the things, I, I mean, I, I think it's also what I say, um, you know, studying a bit of economics made me, I think one of the things physics did for me was to be able to look at things from a structural point of view. So, you know, physics, you know, you're basically, I mean, let's just even look at one of the subtopics, light. You know, you just don't look at, you know, everybody else sees light as light. You know, you are seeing it from the from the uh, uh, layers and layers of, of waves. And so it, it, light is not just light. It's, it's, you know, layers and layers of waves on top of themselves that, you know, are, and, you know, bouncing off several, you know, uh, uh, setups, even to the point of color, you, you tend to realize how um, light is absorbed more by some colors and, you know, reflected by some and the refraction. And, you know, it, it, it conditions your mind to, to see things from a certain perspective. So when, when people, you know, put forward a concept like uh, macroeconomics, in front of someone like me, everybody else is looking at it from the perspective of, oh, this is what the law says. This is the way it works. I'm looking at it from, I want to, you know, disassemble the conversation and see what are the minute factors that then add up to become this concept of macroeconomics. And it makes it easier for me to be able to understand a lot better. So I'm not just looking at it from how the lecturer said it. I'm looking at it from what what exactly does it mean? So what are the components that, you know, come to bear clear that to make this macroeconomics? I also found out that in my first job as, uh, as an analyst um, in the capital market, it, it also helped me to explain um, financial matters to people in a better concept because I was able to decom deconstruct it. So I, I, I never looked at it as the lump sum. I looked at it as the uh, a summation of parts as against the concept itself. So I, I think it, it's very important. And I, I think it is, it is also a pattern because I've seen that most of the people who are able to understand finance usually have backgrounds that are different from finance <laughs> at least ones i've met um true yeah the ones i've met who properly understand it and, and don't just look at it from the theoretical point of view have different backgrounds so they're looking at it from a perspective of okay yes this is this is a an economic conversation but how does it become this? What are the factors that come into it? So it's it's a broader perspective, and it's, I, I seem to uh, enjoy it a lot because that also helps me. Uh, and most people that are, are, are like me see it from that perspective of it's not just a straightforward conversation. There are multiple things that that add up to it. Well, not very interesting because I've been a 
I've been a proponent of this theory for years. And when I heard Tunji say it, it was like, that's it. So um, diversity fosters creativity. Now, what, what people forget is that every field of knowledge carries with it its rules and boundaries. That means what is acceptable and what's not acceptable in that field of knowledge. So people who are not trained in that field, they do three things from my, from, from, from my own re, um, uh, research and findings. They do three things. The first thing they do is that they do not reflexively think within those boundaries. Yeah. And therefore, they are more willing to explore new ideas. Secondly, they are more willing to import ideas from other areas. Remember, we talked about this in episode one. Yeah. That, cre- uh, that uh, creativity is importing ideas from other areas into your own area. And thirdly, they are more open to learning. And the reason they are more open to learning is that the lines between the line between failure and success for them is blood. Because they don't have that baggage, if I can call it that baggage of rules and restrictions, they don't know what failure and what success is. Yeah. They try anything. So they are more willing to learn. It's in that willingness to learn that they might be more creative. Okay, so um, we heard Tunji talk about Awaba, our, our yeah. yes, and co-founding Awaba during the pandemic. So we want to hear what the idea behind Awaba is and how do they move from just an idea to being a product? Yeah, I mean, and the reason why that why that is important is that that step of moving an idea to reality, I think, it is the most significant step in the innovation and creativity process. Because you can you can come up with ideas, yes, you know, yeah. millions of ideas. And if you don't turn it into reality, idea. it's just not important. So, yeah. the, the the more we have clarity of how people can move ideas into reality, the better for everyone. So here's the thing: I, I had this idea when we started to be able to create um, a financial vehicle for people who were not being looked after in the financial services sector. Um, But I didn't know what that product was. I honestly didn't know when we started. I just knew that we needed to create something for the people who did not have a a footing. So for instance, if I I work in a 95, because I work in a 95 and I get a salary, um, and I work in a structured organization, it means that by chance or by structure, um, I am able to get a loan because I get salary every month. It means that I have health insurance. It means that um, if I go to the bank and I say I want a mortgage, the bank can look at my, uh, my history and be able to give it to me. However, if I don't have a job and I'm a business person, um, it's a lot trickier. The, the combined has to look at the business, uh, can the business cash flow cover it and things like that. But if you come down again a little bit and I'm a barber, for instance, it's trickier because a barber needs, his cash flow is not one that he can keep in the bank. He's not being paid by the bank, he's paid by cash and things like that. So I wanted to create a system around people like that, but I just didn't know how to or what to create for them. And it started with us trying to help them invest. And I struggled with the conversation of helping them invest because I thought, 
I mean, how are you going to explain investment to somebody that is um, that has been neglected by the system? It's it's very very difficult explaining to somebody who the system has forgotten. Um, and I mean this in the larger scheme of things. So somebody who falls ill, there's nothing to take care of him or her. Somebody who his family member is neglected and the person has no nothing to save them. But I also realized it from working in, you know, I, I've had a lot, lot, lot of radio shows over the last 10 years. And a lot of the things I noticed was that people will send me messages, people will call me, people will send me DMs and say, oh, 2G, um, my bank did not do this, blah, 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 blah. How do I get a, a resolution? Or I invested in this company and they've not paid me, what do I do? Or um, 2G, I have this 100K, I want to invest it, how do I go about it? And I, and I, I had the answer for all these questions, but I always could not answer because one, um, you need a license to even answer those kind of questions, at least in the proper framework in Nigeria. Two, I didn't trust the options available because I could say go to this particular company and they could mistreat you and I always worried about that. So I started to let that shape what I was going to, you know, put in on the table for the average Nigerian. And I said, what we need is to be able to create an ecosystem around the informal sector worker. So just like the way, like I said at the beginning, you have a bank, you have a job, and because you have a job, there's an ecosystem created around you just by the nature of you having a job. What can we do for the informal sector worker that would help us to be the basis to create that ecosystem of financial services around them? This is not a, this is not an easy answer. So we looked and back and forth and we said, should we, what do we do? And then somehow in the middle of that, we were able to find pension for informal sector workers. And the pension for informal sector workers is so beautiful that you are able to save for your long term, but also be able to save for your short term. So it has a long-term and short-term saving methodology engulfed in one. So I, I'm going through all of this to show you how my mind was thinking. And this thing happened over a period of maybe eight months in trying to carve what exactly it would look like for the average customer. And, you know, there was also a lot of learning from the customer too, because we'll go out to the customer and say, we're selling this and the customer will, will like, okay, what exactly do you want to add to this particular product? And the customer will say this and say that, and we'll go back with our feedback and be able to see if we can put it on top of the product. One of the things I know that in the early stages was the customer will ask us, if I start saving consistently to this, can I get a loan? And we'll say, no, we don't, we don't give loans. And then after about two months in the office, we asked ourselves, why exactly don't we give loans? <laughs> you know, because the customer keeps asking us, can we give loan? And we keep going, no, we don't give loan. Can we find a way to be able to extend loans to our customers? Even if we, it's not our primary duty to give loans. And 
it, it went back to the ethos of trying to build an ecosystem around them. So we realized that, oh, that makes sense. What we need to do is to create a pension for these people and then get other service providers to provide things around them based on the pension. So we got health insurance providers to lay on top of our products. We got loan providers to lay on top of our products. We got savings providers to lay on top of our product. We got um, investment providers to lay on top of our product. So what we call provide is pensions. But then because of the pensions that you've already plugged into, you now have access to multiple financial services. And that is what we've always wanted to do. So we're now trying to build that financial ecosystem around the informal sector worker, using the pensions as the basis for everything. So you are long-term saving with us, but then you want a loan, we have a relationship with loan providers who can give it to you at the lower interest rate. We, you want health insurance, we can get health insurance for you at a very low interest rate. You have a low uh, premium, you know, as little as uh, 1,000 Naira, 1,200 Naira every month. Uh, we're even looking to make, bring it as low as 800 Naira, 600 Naira even, you know. We're looking to do that. So the conversation really is around how we can create that around the customer. But it's a lot of learning because one of the things I was sure at the beginning was I will figure it out. I didn't know how, I didn't know where, but I knew we'll figure it out. So I just said, you, you know what, let's start. Let's start. We'll get we'll get all the answers as we go. So if you spoke to us when we launched in January of 2021, you would realize that there were a lot of answers we did not have. Uh, we, we were excited about the product. We were excited about what we were doing, but we didn't have a lot of answers. Today, we have answers to a lot of those questions. And there are some, we, some new questions we don't have answers to. Uh, in another year or so, we'll have those answers sorted out. But I think that is how you go from idea to um, a fully fledged product. Just start. And just the momentum of you starting will start to draw the answers to you. Um, there is this uh, concept in philosophy that when the student is ready, the teacher shall appear is, is, is one of the things I live my life by. Um, we, we had a, a need for how to roll out our business development. We were confused at some point. How do we get more customers? Because we were going to the grassroots. How do we get more customers? And somehow the universe just brought in our head of business who was able to solve all those you know, questions for us. I'm sure that people, when we launched, felt we had all the answers. I'm sure that people still feel right now we have all the answers. In another one year, I'm sure people will feel we have all the answers. But we know we keep asking, we keep learning, we keep innovating. Um, so in the last one month, the amount of innovation we've done has taken our business from this level to like this level, just because we, we were just asking more questions. So you would never have all the answers. In fact, the, the minute you have all the answers, then there's no business. <laughs> really, there's no business. You might as well go and do something else because all the answers are there.
the real thing about creating and, and innovating is that there's there are too many questions, not enough answers. You want to be the provider of all those answers, so you dig in and find all the answers. And I, I think that's how you go from from idea to full fed business. I mean, listening to that except for me was just powerful. Um, <clears throat> I mean, that's several points I would I would focus on. Um, but I think I think what stood out for me is that the real solution that I am offering is not what I thought at the, at the beginning. The real solution is what addresses problems people are facing. And if that's true, then it means that I must be willing to allow my idea go through a process where it becomes better able to address the problems that people are facing. Now, when you fall in love with your own idea, you get attached to it and and might be unwilling to listen and make the necessary adjustment the idea needs to be successful. And um, entrepreneurs can easily become infatuated with their own ideas. I mean, I said this at the beginning of the of the um, podcast, and they, and they have every right to be attached to the idea. I mean, remember they've spent money, they've spent resources working on that idea. They come up with new ideas or products or services and assume that it will be successful. Nobody comes up with an idea and hopes that it will fail. Yeah. I mean, it, it absolutely makes no sense. Yeah. Every time you come up with an idea, your hope is that that idea will be successful. But there's a huge danger in falling in love with that idea. And, and, and that's why what we are advocating is do not fall in love with your own idea. Rather, focus on how your idea can actually solve a problem. And I think um, listening to Tunji really has actually provided the context for us to understand that. If you listen to him, he kept on talking about the fact that they were always willing to, you know, modify whatever they had as long as it met the the challenge that the the people were were, were facing. So, I have a couple of points I um, I would... suggest on how not to fall in love with your own idea so i'm going to share them zika okay okay so the first one recognize that business creation is an iterative process it's all it's an ongoing process of refinement of your idea it does not end with when you come up with an idea in fact it never ends even if you have an idea that is a product you might keep on refining that idea and tuji kept on talking about this they started with a pension, uh, a product that was pension related, mm. but their customers wanted loans. Yeah, they didn't say, "Well, what we have is pension. If you want the loan somewhere else, it was like, how do we take our pension and layer a loan on top of it?" So, 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 that, so that's one. Secondly, give your customers what they need, not what you think they need. What they need. Three, respect existing solutions. You should be able to use existing solutions and ideas to explain your ideas. In summary, be humble. Yes, you have a great idea. Don't, as they say, don't diss other ideas. You know, don't look down on existing ideas. You can use existing ideas to explain your new idea. Four, seek for feedback. It's very important. Seek for feedback. Five, test your ideas. When you have an idea, the best people to test the idea with are not your friends and families. (laughs) 
there are the people who are who at the end of the day you are you know you will sell that idea to that they want you should test your ideas with test your ideas and if you must attach your emotions to your ideas if, if, if you want to fall in love with the ideas wait until other people have fallen in love with that idea first then you can fall in love with your own ideas <laughs> because for them to fall in love with it they are exactly it. Yeah. you understand so that mm. you know so that if at that yeah. stage that they think something is wrong mm. or something needs to be done to the, to the idea you are not modify. emotionally attached to that yes. idea and you can modify the idea so those are some steps some ways you can take to ensure that you do not fall in love with your own idea Zika very interesting I think this last part is the highlight yeah. for me and um, we've come to the end of the first um, part of this episode, actually. And um, in the second episode, I think we'll be going into more practical angles on how to... Tunji will tell us more about how our bar was able to implement some of these things and possibly their challenges. Yeah. So just just add, I mean, and, and, and I'm saying this with, with um, all modesty. Um, it's Even though we are saying it, it's not as easy... As, as it seems because you have to understand that people have invested their lives mm, you know yeah. resources it's it's difficult not to fall in love with the idea we understand that but what we are saying is that um, for the good of that idea um it's 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 helpful if um innovators and entrepreneurs um you know manage that process very well such that they are open to feedback and they are open to modifications of their initial ideas. That is the only time that they can actually get the value that that idea deserves. Because at the end of the day, you don't just want to have an idea. Exactly. It's just you. Yeah, it's not about you. Exactly, it's not yeah. about you. It's about what the idea offers. Offers, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, true. So thank you very much for this. And like I said, there is a second part to this episode, so it's not complete. Stay tuned for the other part. Okay, um, the sound and editing of this podcast is done by Joshua Praise. The soundtrack is an original music by Justa Christos. And the poster design is done by Joseph Okafo and Faith Folari. Until the next part, have a very creative week.